You're listening to The Way Home with Daniel Darling, a proud member of the Venom Audio Network. Well, hello and welcome, my friends, to The Way Home Podcast. I'm so glad you joined me today. I am uh, excited for the guest that I have on for this episode. If you have followed me for any length of time, whether through my writings or on online, uh, on social media, or listen to my podcast, or just know me, you'll know I'm a pretty big fan of the Bush family, uh, George W. Bush, George H. W. Bush. And I realize that not everybody listens here shares my politics or shares the politics of the Bush family. Uh, you can disagree with decisions they made while they were in office, but I think everybody agrees that the way that they conducted themselves and the approach they took to public service is really something to admire and the way that they care about people and their kindness and their compassion in leadership. Well, I got a chance to listen and talk uh, to someone who has been worked very closely with the Bush family, uh, Dana Perino. Dana works uh, as a host on Fox News and has been in journalism in that space for the last decade or so. But before that, she worked in the White House, which is a really high-pressure environment. Uh, she worked in communications. She was the press secretary for George W. Bush for a long time, and she's worked on the Hill and other places uh, in that kind of role. Uh, she has a lot of insight and perspective on kind of the nature of our politics today. Of course, they're so divisive. Uh, she gives good insight on the Bush family and uh, working with them, what they were like up close, and really some input and advice for anyone who wants to work in media or politics or kind of both of those things, what she would advise and including and especially to young women who want to follow a similar career path. So I think you'll enjoy this uh, refreshing conversation with Dana Perino. I'm glad to have on the podcast uh, Dana Perino, uh, host on Fox News, author, former, I believe, press secretary and communications director and host of things for the Bush administration. Dana, thanks for joining me today. Thanks for having me. Yes, I was White House press secretary. <laughs> Did I get all your stuff, titles right? Yes, yeah, plenty, plenty. T- other things I forgot. <laughs> so thank you for joining me. Uh, I want to talk a little bit about your books. Uh, your latest one is uh, Everything Will Be Okay, Life Lessons for Young Women for, from a Former Young Woman. We'll have links to that in the show notes. But I want to first just uh, talk about a few things. I have, uh, I'm have i a huge fan of, of the Bush family going way back. Uh, George W. Bush was the first president. Like there were other presidents when I was a kid, but it was the first – like I was in college. It was the kind of first president that I, I don't want to say fell in love with, but just really got excited about. And so I've always been a huge fan of W. And then – uh, George H.W. Bush, and have read everything about him. So I'd love for you just to share a little bit about your experience working in the White House, what that's like. What are what are some of the things that people don't realize about working in the White House? I guess is a good question. Like some misconceptions or whatever. Well, I love talking about my time at the White House. It was such a privilege and honor to have the opportunity to work on behalf of the American people. And 
also you know, to be in that position, which is the highest level you can get if you are in public relations, in my opinion, for me. And so I, I didn't uh, anticipate that. I didn't set out to be the White House press secretary. But as I write in my books, there's just a lot of opportunities and moments that come my way that I didn't have a plan for, but God did. And thankfully, I was willing mm. to pay attention to his suggestions uh, for what I do next. And so that plan uh, was his, and it worked out wonderfully. I, too, am a huge fan of the Bush family. And George W. Bush, when he talked about being a compassionate conservative in that campaign in 2000, that really spoke mm. to me. And I know why there are many conservatives who bristle at that phrase. I, I understand it now because to add the adjective compassionate means that conservatives aren't compassionate in, uh, inherently, mm -hmm. which is not true. But I do think from a branding and marketing standpoint for a campaign like that, where he was trying to distinguish himself and best explain himself uh, and his approach to life, that compassionate conservative was the phrase that he landed on. And it really spoke to me. And I felt like we embodied that um, at the White House. And it was an extremely difficult job. Obviously, um, there's a lot of hours and that you put in. But I, in some ways, I think I might have a little bit of amnesia for anything that was difficult during that time because I loved <laughs> it. And I would yeah. never go back to do that job. Uh, but I am so glad I had the opportunity. I think the other, uh, if you ask about a couple of misconceptions, like I believe that the show, The West Wing, did a really good job of, mm. talk, of, of showing what it's like to work in a White House. Of course, it's 45-minute episodes and big, huge decisions about world peace are not made in the hallways with dramatic music, with romance going on. Like, I get all <laughs> that. But I do think they did a pretty good job of talking about the big decisions that comes to a president's desk, how it's important for uh, there to be really good people with integrity and graciousness and confident humility and willing to work hard that provide all the information that a president needs in order to make a good decision. And that's really what it comes down to. The, the presidency is a decision-making job. And the toughest problems of the world land on that desk. It's one of the reasons that our elections are so hard fought and people feel so passionately about them. So I thought it was fabulous. Of course, I loved all the things. Like I just had a, a exchange with President Bush not too long ago where I thanked him for sharing his peanut butter and honey sandwiches with me. <laughs> uh, on my first Marine One flight, we went. I, I was just a, a deputy press secretary, and I was assigned to go on this Boy Scout jamboree trip with him one evening in the summertime. And when we flew back, um, it was my first time on Marine One, and he opened up his box of food that the White House mess had prepared for him, and he handed me this peanut butter and honey sandwich. And I said, oh, no, thank you, sir, because I was like, you can't eat the president's sandwiches. Um, and he said, ah, come on. And that's how we started to get to know each other. We just had our favorite food and talked about life. <laughs> that's, that's, that's really cool. And, you know, I, I always felt you are a really good, um, press secretary, just having watched those for forever. And that's a hard job to do. Like, you know, you've got everyone, uh, firing off questions at you. You're trying to get the message of the administration out, but there's a lot of things that you know, but you can't talk about because they're state secrets or national security. And just the high pressure of that job has to just be, how, how did you handle that from day to day? How did you be able to have the grace to go out there and conduct yourself and handle that uh, a very thankless job? Oh, I don't know. I think, I, I don't think it was thankless. I, um, I think that there, it requires an incredible amount of focus and study. 
And I think that the best communications people are the ones who actually understand the policy as well. So mm -hmm. it was critical for me to be reading all the time, but listening in on meetings, learning everything from energy to domestic policy um, when it came to like housing, for example. Um, also, I would say 85% of the questions that I got at the White House were foreign policy related. And I really had to dig in deep and understand uh. things, including things that um, were historical in nature that I would say, um, looking at Middle East peace, for example, and remember just understanding how complex that is, is issue is for us now. Um, but in order to deal with the modern day problems, I had to go back and really make sure I understood everything that had happened in the decades prior. And I will never, ever uh, let someone be more well-read than me in a briefing room. Mm -hmm. And I, I hold that myself to that standard today. I demand of myself to be the most well-read person in the room. And that, I think, was my competitive advantage. But then I would also say that Andy Card, the first chief of staff I worked for, uh, gave me great advice about the integrity of um, working at a White House and how important it was to um, remember that you're not representing the Republican Party. You're representing everybody in America. And mm -hmm. I, start, I made a commitment to myself that day and then I held myself to it, and it worked really well that anytime I walked into the West Wing, I said a prayer asking for strength and grace and also thanking God for the opportunity to be there. And I think that really mm -hmm. did help me stay grounded. The other thing is I worked for a president who was also very faithful, and mm -hmm. that was important to him and I think to all of us to walk the, our walk with him uh, as, and, and to be able to support him as much as possible. And I think that, again, may, might be one of the reasons I look back. And I don't think of it as a thankless job. I think of it as one of the most important and amazing opportunities of my life. Mm. I, I really like that. And, you know, it, it seems like the Bush family really values public service. I just finished reading um, the, the chief of staff for George H.W. Bush, her, her book. about My favorite uh, book no, of the no, year. It, it's my favorite book I've read yeah, this year. It's called The it's Man I Knew. It's a great book. It's such a great book. I love that. I love Meacham's biography of H.W. Bush. But just a, f a family, you know, obviously not perfect like any of us, but really committed to the idea of public service, uh, that this is a calling, this is a stewardship. That really shapes kind of the w the culture of a White House, doesn't it? Absolutely. And I, 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 I would also say that there's some studies now that show that adding a, an element of public service to your life even if you're not working, you know, like, let's say you're not working in politics. Mm -hmm. that, but that is a really helpful part of your life if you want to succeed in your career. Um, on my podcast recently, I interviewed Dina Powell McCormick of Goldman Sachs, and she had worked with us uh, in the Bush administration. And they work with a lot of entrepreneurs uh, trying to get their companies off the ground. And she said one of the key characteristics that she sees over and over again for people who are very successful, um, that public service is a part of that. In some way, so that could be volunteering in your local community, or perhaps um, even you know, deciding to run for public office. Um, and I think that you're seeing a lot of people after the pandemic consider running for offices that they had never even probably considered before, like mm -hmm. school board, for example, or city council. Uh, and mm -hmm. that is hopefully a silver lining of coming out of the pandemic. Mm. That's really good. Uh, of, of course, you you spent the last uh, decade, a couple decades uh, since your time in the Bush White House, or maybe the last decade or more, uh, on the other side, 
as a member of the media. So how has it been to kind of <laughs> flip over and and be uh, not the one um, that has to answer the questions, <laughs> taking the questions, but now yeah. you're asking the questions. I, What's I, that been well, like? this is um, what I'm doing now is what I originally wanted to do in my career. Um, but I recognize that if I hadn't gone and done all of these other things in my life, I wouldn't be mm-hmm. where I am today at this level, um, being able to anchor, uh, co-anchor America's Newsroom with Bill Hemmer and having an opportunity to provide my opinion for whatever it's worth on on the five and also on our election coverage. I am a pretty curious person, meaning I guess I am curious, but I mean, I have curiosity. So being able to interview people and just ask whatever question comes to mind and to try to probe a little bit. Now, partly because I was press secretary, I do think I have a pretty good ability to just anticipate what everyone's going to say. So what I try to do is to ask questions that maybe they aren't anticipating or that will dig a little bit deeper behind the talking points so that it's more revealing and interesting for our viewer. Mm. Yeah. And I, I think you could tell that you obviously enjoy, you enjoy just watching, watching you do that. You, your book, uh, your latest one is life lessons for young women from a former young woman. So you were the second female press secretary in, in history. So groundbreaking in that role. Um, what, I mean, what advice, obviously people need to re- read this book, but what advice would you have for young women who want to get into public service or get into media or, or, or feel that kind of calling? One of the great things about being born in America is that you already won life's great lottery. And Mm. in the last several decades, women have made tremendous strides in the workforce. And part of what you see in Washington, D.C. in particular is more women in positions of power, both elected, however, non-elected as well. If you look at the chiefs of staff on Capitol Hill, for example, many of them are women. And that's a very important job. And you can also seem to, I think that, in government, you tend to see women be able to advance a little bit more even than in corporate America. If you look at the the state of corporate boards all across the country, um, there are very few women that are on those boards. Now, that's changing, and I think that will continue to change, and that's great. But uh, for women who want to get started, is I sort of feel like if you're born here and you're educated, then all you got to do is just start. Just, like, jump in. Start swimming. You don't have to know exactly what you want to do to get started. You can take any job, find out what you don't want to do, maybe. Um, I actually talked to somebody not too long ago who works in insurance. And she said that when she first got the job, she just really needed to pay her bills. And mm. that, that, that included a car payment, rent, and student loans. And a friend of a friend knew of a job that was happening in insurance. And, and it wasn't even sales. It was more like maybe like being an adjuster. And she thought, this sounds like the most boring, horrible job. Well, guess what? Turns out she liked it. And because she had an aptitude for the business, she rose up to a higher level. And she's so grateful that she had the opportunity because she never in her wildest dreams did she think she was going to work in insurance. So there's so many different things that you can do. And there's almost no excuse, I think, of not just giving it a shot because if you ask yourself, what's the worst thing that could happen in America if you take a risk? Like, really, what's the worst thing that could happen? Well, mm. that means you get to try again. That's the worst thing? Then that's not so bad. Hello, friends. I just want to tell you about a really new partnership uh, that we have developed with an amazing company called Canopy. Now, I don't know about you, 
but as a parent, I find it increasingly difficult to monitor my children's internet consumption with all the devices and computers. And how do you balance safety on the internet in terms of objectionable content, pornography, and things that we don't want them to see with speed and use of the internet for things that they need, like their homework, getting a hold of them. My oldest one is driving and I want to be able to, her to have a way to get a hold of me. How do you do that? Well, sometimes it feels like you have to prioritize either speed and accuracy and accessibility or safety. Well, my friends at Canopy have developed this really neat tool that they beta tested in Israel and it's so good, they brought it over to the United States and it uses this proprietary technology uh, using artificial intelligence to block objectionable images, but not always necessarily websites. And so how this works is that even on your their phones, if someone texts them something objectionable or they're going to a website that they need to go to, but there's objectionable images, it doesn't block the website, but it'll block the, the images from coming through. And it works uh, in multiple apps that are on their phone in ways that a lot of other filters don't. It's a great, great tool. And if you are a Way Home listener, you can go to canopy.us slash wayhome. That's canopy.us slash wayhome, C-A-N-O-P-Y dot U-S slash wayhome, and you can get a special discount. Your first 30 days free and 20% off of Canopy for life. So you want to do that. Go to canopy.us slash wayhome and check this out. It's a great tool that I know you will use and, and be thankful for as a parent. talk about uh in your in your book just about about a lot of this stuff but you're you kind of started like you said journalism and then you kind of worked on the hill a little bit and went into white house and now you're you're back in media so you know one of the things that i do tell young people and i I love to hear you say this is that you know your your next job is not the rest of your life that you're gonna have seasons and you're gonna do you might do different things uh different seasons of life and uh that seems to kind of be the you know, the pattern, right? That you don't have to think about what am I going to be doing in 50 years, but what am I going to be doing, you know, in the next five years, the next two years, right? I think one of the things I really wanted to write about in Everything Will Be Okay is that chapter on serenity, because I um, have long been a planner and a little bit of a worrier. And it's taken me time and perhaps it's age uh, that has given me some better perspective. But whereas I used to really worry about the future, I've been able to let that go. And I think that's partly because I'm really happy with what I'm doing now. I feel like I have reached some goals and have some accomplishments under my belt. And instead of fearing what could be next, I just sort of look forward to whatever it might be. Give you an example. I was very happy. I was very happy doing the 2 p.m. daily briefing show and the five. Mm. And you know, had to work from home for a little while because of the pandemic. And at the end of the year, December 2020, I got a request from the CEO and president of news to do a Zoom call. And I thought it was just like end of year check-in because we'd all been remote mm-hmm. for a while. But that was when they said that they had an idea to move me to co-anchor with Bill Hemmer in the mornings. I was so shocked by the opportunity. I'm completely out of the blue. It came to me. Mm-hmm. And I was thrilled with it. Now, I had a lot of trepidation in a way because I also do the five. And so that's a very long day. And the idea was, well, you can go home in the middle of the day. And that is actually true sometimes. Um, but I will say that I am so joyous in my work and love working with Hemmer and the five team so much that I don't really worry about what I'm going to do next. I just know that there will be a next. I'll say that there's one thing that Peter and I 
have long wanted to do as a couple. And it's, it's on my mind as something that, you know, if you're going to do this, you need to plan it and get it done. And that is this. Um, in January of 2009, when we were finishing at the White House, Peter and I went to South Africa for a month. And we spent two weeks doing safari and vacation type stuff. And then we spent two weeks at a, a PEPFAR site volunteering. And mm. it really brought us closer together as a couple. It gave us what I call perspective with a capital P. And we committed to each other then, you know, that's 2009, um, that at some point in the future, we would do a longer mission trip together. And I recognize that that's something I need to get done in the next 10 years, I believe. So I have a goal that I need to reach. And I'm already thinking about ways that I might be able to um, work that with uh, my current role um, and maybe perhaps uh, in, the, in the future, as long as they want me. I mean, I guess one of the things as a firstborn daughter, I've always assumed that you know things could change at any moment. Like, is somebody going to want me fired? Mm-hmm. Am I going to get canceled? Right. <laughs> Things like that. Um, thankfully, I yeah. work at a pretty um, supportive and nurturing place here at Fox News and yeah. um, can can be my full self. So hopefully they're not going to fire me. So I have a few more questions. I know your time is limited. Um, and then I, I want to tell you about a, a George W. Bush story that I think you'll find funny uh, that I was in, involved in. But talk about how your faith has shaped kind of your career and your both your time in the White House, but also your time in media. Well... I recognize that at different points in my life, I've need to needed to be reminded, sometimes even just by myself, that when I feel so frustrated and worried and get wrapped up into trying to fix everything myself, that when I remember to turn things over and to trust God's plan and to um, recognize that you know there's a bigger picture here, that has certainly helped me. And I also think that it's softened my heart a little bit. Um, you know, sometimes when you work these hours, whether it be at the White House or here, um, and you're talking about bad news all the time. I mean, you, it is true in journalism. You don't report on all the planes that landed safely. Um, so I, I don't want to become callous to uh, the distress that some people go through, if that makes sense. So I often pray for that perspective to keep me that com- compassionate conservative that um, I've always believed I was or, or aspire to be. Mm-hmm. I think that's the thing. Like, I'm always working on it. Uh, I've, I've got yeah. personal work to do. But I would say it's, it's like it's a critical part of my life. Uh, uh, you mentioned uh, the PEPFAR program, uh, which is just a remarkable program. I was just in Texas uh, last month with my son for uh, a trip. He's turning 13, and we went to the Bush Library there at uh, SMU. And just was reminded again of the the incredible impact of the the PEPFAR program and how many millions of lives it saved. Uh, that had to be gratifying to be able to be part of working on that. I'm oh, sure. sure. And I think that, you know, I had given the statistics out at the press briefing room over and over again, like, well, we saved this many laws and we sent this many pills. And we said, and then when I finally got to go to Africa and see it for myself and have all my senses um, overloaded, and to see that joy. Mm. I'll I've, I've never forget President Bush was walking by this group of students. And he just said, he just called out and he said, God is good. And they yelled back, all the time. And he said, <laughs> and I thought, wow, it's universal. That's you know, it was like, great. it was great. Yeah, I loved it. Yeah. That was one of his favorite trips too. Yeah. Yeah, that's fantastic. So I have to tell you this story. So when President Bush was running the first time, 
in the general election against uh, Al Gore, Vice President Gore. So I lived in Illinois. I grew up born and raised in Illinois at the time. And actually, he was campaigning in Illinois back when Illinois was a swing state, if you can believe that. Um, and so do you remember the incident where he uh, – and I didn't hear it because I was actually at this event. It was at Naperville North High School and – a buddy of mine, we were in college, we found out he was going to be there. So we like pushed our way to the front so we could shake his hand. And we actually got to shake his hand. But that was the event where he leaned into a mic that he didn't know was hot to the media and just basically uh, had an, so, some kind words about Adam Clymer. So, oh, so gosh. I feel like... I mean, I'm, f- I'm very I familiar like with this story. History, yeah. Dana. yeah, I'm very familiar with I, this I feel story. like I was part of history. Because uh, that was one there. of our favorite things. Like no matter what you could say... Um, the remember when Dick Cheney said big time. <laughs> yes, yes, yes. And that was uh, so that was one of our favorites. I was there. I mean, we didn't hear it because we were actually in the audience, but that's that's my so funny. Uh, so, I love okay, it. So I, I have to ask, yeah, it's it's cool. And I got to meet him there. I got to meet the first lady too, and that was really cool too. So another question that I've just I I just find is interesting. So you were also in Iraq when that famous press conference where that guy threw a shoe at President Bush. Am I right in recalling that you got hit by that shoe as well? No, I got that, hit by the right? microphone stand and ended up with a black eye for six weeks. <laughs> so really, I was the only one who really got hurt in that whole thing. Um, oh yeah. Oh wow. Yeah, I got I got hit pretty hard, and I actually start my first book. And the good news is, with that story, it's pretty funny. I call it the black yeah. eye of Baghdad. That's that's funny. Well, as we leave, I just want to ask you one question. Uh, you know, as you're. Uh, it's kind of a two-part question. One, I guess, if you could give, what is your uh, best recollection of working with uh, President Bush? And like, what would you say about him? Things that people don't know about him, number one. And number two, what piece of advice would you have for someone who wanted to get into, say, um, media or public service like you've done or communications? What what advice do you give people? Well, I would say um, kind of what I've said before, which is jump in and just give it a shot. And the worst thing that could happen is if you don't succeed, you try again. Um, but you just might find something that you really love doing and that public service is part of leadership and, and critical. And the last thing I would say about working for President Bush is that um, it's such a pleasure now and an honor to be able to call him a friend as well as the mm-hmm. former commander in chief. Uh, he's very witty, very caring. Um, I will tell you, I, I interviewed um, one of the Olympic gold medalists, Tamira Mensah-Shock, and mm. the first thing I got was a message from him asking for her address because he wanted to send her a letter. And that's, oh, that's the kind so cool. of guy he is. Yeah. Yeah. yeah they they were letter writers. I'm just, just absolutely. About them. Yep. Yeah. That's awesome. Well, Dana Perino, thank you so much for joining me here today on the way home podcast. And I want to encourage folks to get your book. We'll have links to it in the show notes and just thank you for your, your public service. And I think, uh, just your, I, I, I like the fact that, uh, in good times and bad, you've always been a kind of a cheerful, uh, guide to whatever's going on in the news. And so I'm thankful for that. Thank you so much. And congratulations to you. I think your book Um, The Dignity Revolution was really fantastic and highly recommended to everyone. Well, thank you, Dana. I appreciate that. Thank you for listening to this edition of The Way Home Podcast with Daniel Darling. For more information, you can visit danieldarling.com. If you do like this podcast, we encourage you to subscribe on iTunes or your favorite podcast catcher. 
We also encourage you to rate and review so others can know about the podcast. You can follow me at at Dan Darling on Twitter or go to my Facebook page, facebook.com slash Daniel M. Darling. I also want to encourage you again to check out my latest book, Away With Words, and you can visit awaywithwordsbook.com. Thank you for listening in to The Way Home Podcast. This podcast is part of the Edify Podcast Network. Edify is a faith-inspiring app that brings together thousands of the best Christian podcasts in one place for your listening enjoyment. Cut through the noise and grow your faith by diving into the world's top Christian podcasts today. Download the Edify app for free from the App Store or Google Play or by going to edify.app. That's E-D-I-F-I dot app.